spooky people. Hey, it's Marissa. And Emily. Back for season two of... <gasps> Unknown Compelling Force. Ba -ba 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 -bam! <laughs> it's season two, guys. I'm so excited. Last season was very fun. Last season was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of good stuff, but I think I'm more excited for this season because... I, I think don't... we got the hang of it. I think we got more of the hang of it. Well... <laughs> I think we got more of the hang of it, and last season I didn't want to do too many cases that I loved too much, because I didn't want to do them all at the beginning, true. so now I feel a little more free to do stuff that I love. That's true. We have a lot of good ideas, a lot of good things coming together. A lot of juicy topics, juicy episodes. Ooh, I'm excited. And, uh, hold on. Yeah, it's time for White Claw. That squirted all over me. Yeah, it did be. <laughs> Yeah, it's refreshing. Okay. Um, so, what have we been up to in our absence? Uh, I had a really busy fucking summer. <laughs> I went home to New Jersey, yeah. so. I mean, that was part of why we took a break was because Emily was literally in another state, and I just had too much shit going on, yep. and yeah, I, let's see, I went to the beach, I went camping, I had some barbecues, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time sitting out on my porch. Um, also, very exciting content. Did you hear the news? No. Ghost Hunters is coming back, baby. I can't believe that. Ghost Hunters is coming back, baby. I don't know if y'all know how much I fucking love the Ghost Hunters. Are they trying to compete with Ghost Adventures, though? Listen, it's no competition. Okay, but yeah, but Ghost Adventures has been on for like 25 seasons now, and Zach Bagans has his own haunted museum. Of bullshit. <laughs> Ghost Hunters sprinted so Ghost <laughs> Adventures could bear crawl. Don't even at me with this. I... <laughs> Actually, it came up on my Facebook memories um, a few weeks ago when I met the Ghost Hunters at Scaracuse, which was, I'm I'm going to mention that a little bit today with yeah. my topic. I'm very oh. excited. Um, I got to hang out with Steven Tango. Uh, but yeah, I'm very, very excited for spooky season. Happy spooky season, everybody. I've been ready for this whole month for since like the beginning of August. Wait, Literally, I mean like, September. Like mid-August, we were like gearing up. We were so fucking pumped. And now this episode's gonna come out on October 1st. Happy official first day of Halloween, even though in our house it's been it's Halloween for like long. a month. <laughs> all year long. <laughs> but especially for like the last month. Like September is also Halloween. Yeah. You gotta prep, you know? I see one brown crunchy leaf and I'm like, oh god. Spooky season is upon us. All of the ghosts just inhabit my body. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and we just decorated like couple days ago. Yeah. yeah. So, we're ready. Our house is decked out. We're the only ones on our block with, like, a bunch of shit outside, but our whole, like, tiny front yard looks like a little haunted graveyard. Yeah, it's so cute. We got and ghosts. Spooky. We got gravestones. We got one of those big lights that makes it look like ghosts are flying around our house. It's great. Oh, yeah. That's cute. Super fucking exciting. Uh, so, this is the ideal time to start our spooky podcast back up, I think. Definitely. And we're starting with an excellent topic today. I'm so excited. We're talking haunted prisons. And asylums. Ooh. Ooh ah. And I'm going to be talking about my favorite, favorite by far haunted location of all time. Eastern State Penitentiary. Ooh. Ah. I really want to go there. I, so I have a whole bucket list of spooky places that I want to go in my life, and that's was the number one thing, and it's the one thing I've checked off so far. So I got to check out Eastern State Penitentiary a few years ago when we were visiting Philadelphia, and I dragged my mom and redacted there. Oh. Yeah. But it was so fun, though. I was like, you guys need to just, like, indulge me. You gotta yeah. let me do this. And they did. And it was super fun, and we walked around that place for, like, probably five or six hours. Well, I and would think your mom would like it, right? Yes and no. 
Hmm. So there's, you can go on an actual tour or you can just walk around and like read the information and they give you like a little headset for an audio tour, which is narrated by Steve Buscemi. I fucking love, like why? I why? Don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's such a great choice That's though. So fucking random. Like we didn't really listen to it that much because I, first of all, already knew a lot about mm-hmm. it. And yeah. it's, it's more fun to just like walk around and check stuff out, read yeah. the information. Uh, but my mom listened to the audio tour, and even to this day, she's like, ugh, I can't believe you dragged me around that place for so long. Every single part of it looked exactly the same. I don't know what you thought was so interesting. Well, uh, Amy, it is a prison. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, Amy. We didn't come for, like, the art. What the fuck? So, yeah, one of the coolest places to visit. I really recommend anyone who's into spooky shit and lives anywhere on the East Coast. Seriously, there's so much cool stuff in Pennsylvania, of all yeah, places. Really. Like, oh in that whole area because everything like in fucking new england on the eastern seaboard is haunted as shit mm-hmm. like i have a friend in michigan who says she will not come to new england because every single object is haunted what you go to walmart and you buy a hairbrush <laughs> that hairbrush is haunted what the fuck? <laughs> new england hairbrush haunted <laughs> everywhere is ghosts oh my goodness and that's kind of eastern state but i i really recommend going it's very cool even if you're not into the spooky shit which if you're listening to this podcast and you're not into spooky shit, wh- how'd you get here? What are you doing here? How did you get here? You don't belong here. But it's even just, like, the history of it and, like, the yeah. location itself is super fucking cool. There's a lot of other interesting stuff there besides just the ghosts, but I think most people go for the ghosts. Yeah. And they actually do, like, nighttime investigations, like, nighttime tours that are, like, you can bring your little ghost hunting equipment. Oh, cute. You can sign up for certain ghost hunting tours where, like, you get the equipment and shit, but it's crazy expensive. Oh, yeah. Around Halloween, they do, like, little haunted houses and shit inside. Like, not in the actual cell blocks, but in, like, mm-hmm. the, the grounds. Yeah. So, I don't know if they still do that anymore, but Probably I know Probably not they, with COVID. Yeah, I know they at least used to, and I always wanted to do that, so I thought it was really cool. I know I was talking about ghost hunters earlier, and one of the reasons that I love Eastern State Penitentiary is because of the ghost hunters. Because that was... I started watching ghost hunters when I was, like, nine. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved that shit. Mm -hmm. And one of their favorite places to go was Eastern State. Because within, like, one of their first episodes, they went to Eastern State, and they got one of the best pieces of footage they've gotten in the entire history of the show. Really? Yeah. And it's so cool. It's still, like, used in a lot of, like actual paranormal caught on tape compilations Uh, like all the time and it was actually um i was recently watching the episode of buzzfeed unsolved when they went to eastern state yeah and they referenced that clip also because it's just it's so famous and it was one of their first episodes and it's i'll I'll talk about it a little bit later but um also when i went to scaracuse when i was like 13 14 and i wanted to go meet the ghost hunters uh, they did, like, a panel, and there were a mm-hmm. lot of, like, amateur ghost hunters there, like, asking questions and all that stuff, but I was just there to see them because I love them. Yeah. And they were talking about their absolute favorite place to go is Eastern State, and they go there almost every season, and they do, like, live investigations there on Halloween, and Steve, one of the ghost hunters, <laughs> um, was telling this story that one of the first times they went there, they always made, like, a little note that they would just kind of write down what cameras and what equipment they were leaving in whatever rooms, mm-hmm. so then when they were packing up, they could... Yeah. Find everything. Remember, yeah. And they went there for the first time before certain parts of it hadn't been, like, renovated or, like, cleaned up for tours and shit like that. And they went back a few years later after it had been, like, bought by somebody else and they were cleaning up certain parts of it to, you know, do more tours and shit. As they're walking through, Steve felt something on the bottom of his shoe Mm -hmm. and he picked it up and it was the sticky note from, like, years before. (laughs) 
It was like his sticky note from years before, after the whole place had been like cleaned and everything. What and the his fuck? sticky note was still just on the floor and stuck to him. What? How crazy is that? That's crazy. Man. So anyway, that's just a fun story, and <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, but I love it. The ghost was like, "I'll keep that." Yeah. He's like, "I know you'll be back. Like, You're gonna, gonna need, want I'm gonna that." I'm gonna need you to sign this. Yeah, right. Autograph. <laughs> the ghost wanted an autograph. <laughs> He's like, "Oh my god, I met Dave Tango." <laughs> So, Eastern State Penitentiary is considered one of the most haunted places in the country, but definitely mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. And it's actually one of the most famous, like, prisons in America as well, which I thought was kind of interesting, considering it hasn't been a prison for, like, 50 years at this point. Yeah. But a lot of ghost hunting teams go there. Like, Ghost Adventures, you know, has gone there. Ghost Hunters, America's, like, Most Haunted has gone there. Mm. A lot of amateur teams, and they always find really great evidence. Like, videos, EVP electronic voice phenomenon if you guys don't know <laughs> like I mean, they like disembodied know, voices you know. and, and all that shit they always find something which i think is super cool so i'm just gonna start with like a little little overview a little of backdrop. the place yeah i'm gonna lay the scene here a little for right, you close your eyes and imagine imagine eastern <laughs> state penitentiary located in philadelphia pennsylvania in the fairmont neighborhood which it's literally like this huge like crumbling looming castle Across the street from, like, a cute little row of apartments. Really? Yeah, it's literally just nestled in the middle of this adorable neighborhood. I would love to live there. Okay, that's what I said, too. When we were walking by, there was, like, these little, like, row houses that were so cute, and they all had, like, different colored doors. And one was, like, a cute little mint-colored door, and there was a bunch of plants on the stoop, and it's literally directly across the street, maybe 30 yards from Eastern State Penitentiary. And I was like, that's my... Dream that's home. your home, yeah. That's my home one day. Shout out to whoever lives there. Give me your house, please. <laughs> How much is rent? It's probably a lot. Yeah, really. But it's super cool. Uh, they opened their doors on October 25th, 1829. Oh, wow. And it was an active prison until 1971. So oh, that's geez. 142 years of, like, prison history, which we all know prison history is, like, fucking tragic always. Mm-hmm. So it was originally built to house up to 250 inmates, and at the time it was built, it was the most expensive and largest building in America. Wow. Pretty cool, right? It was actually the first prison to use what was called the Pennsylvania system of imprisonment, aka the separate system, which basically just boiled down to the idea that, like, keeping prisoners in, like, complete solitude would foster penance, aka make them feel regretty spaghetti. I, I doubt it, but okay. Right. <laughs> so this was, like, kind of to counter what was being used as the Auburn system, also known as the New York system, which mm-hmm. said that prisoners should work together, but in silence. Interesting. Right. So ESP, Eastern State Penitentiary, was this first attempt at the Pennsylvania system, and it ended up becoming the model for over 300 prisons around the world. Wow. Yeah. So it was successful as, I guess. to some extent, I guess. <laughs> In the years that it was running, the prison's death ledger recorded over a thousand deaths on the premises, whether it was from suicide, murder by other inmates, or illness. There was a lot of, like, fucking pneumonia and shit. Mm-hmm. But also, who knows how high the numbers actually were. Like, yeah. I think over 70,000 prisoners went through that prison at some I'm point. I'm sure there was a lot of undocumented deaths. Yeah, that's, which is the case so often. Like, I was telling my friends recently, Highland Park, which is in Rochester, like, near our neighborhood, there was a... Some kind of sanatorium or big hospital that was on on those grounds years ago, and they're like they're still finding bodies buried under the park just because they didn't record deaths. They just threw everybody in a hole. That's so, so sad. V- very sad. So this Pennsylvania system that they had going on for this prison, the actual setup of the prison itself is really important to 
kind of fostering that Pennsylvania system. Mm-hmm. So the layout was kind of like a giant wagon wheel. So there was, like, the center and then, like, seven massive spokes coming mm-hmm. out from the center with, like, a giant wall all around the whole thing. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. That, yeah, it did. That that, yeah. that paints a picture. You yeah. understand. <laughs> That's, yeah. And it has this, like, huge gothic architecture that's supposed to feel, like, intimidating to outsiders. So they're like, yeah, I don't want to do crimes because that place looks scary. I don't know how well that worked. Yeah, but no. <laughs> that was, like, what they were going On for. On the contrary, it looks kind of beautiful in a spooky way. Beautiful in a spooky way, but I wouldn't want to be locked in there. That's true. I don't think they had the I love beautiful spooky shit ideals back then. They Probably were just trying not, not to die. <laughs> So, it was actually built by prisoners. Shocking. Prison labor. Brand, mm, brand new information. Yeah. <laughs> and each cell block was originally going to be one story, but overcrowding issues led to architects actually adding a second story to the last four cell blocks during construction. So, there's like seven spokes on the wheel. Three mm-hmm. of them are one story, four of them are two. Huh. And they have like these huge vaulted ceilings that are like rounded. And the second story just kind of like has a catwalk on each side to the cells. Mm-hmm. So, you can like stand in the middle and see the ceiling. You can see up onto the second story where all the cells are and it's all very open hmm. and very echoey yeah. and like creepy and it's supposed to be that way because like these huge curved ceilings were supposed to feel like a church to make the prisoners feel more like repentant what Rep- the repentant? absolute fuck because god so it's supposed to feel like a church and people would be like wow i have sinned i don't i don't think that's how it works <laughs> well i mean if it you know, inspired 300 other prisons around the world that must have worked to some extent. I know, honestly, that's true. True, true. Uh, so all of these cells, like I said, since it's a completely separate system, all the cells are completely blocked off. So they're just these, like, tiny little cement block rooms with, like, big rolling metal doors mm-hmm. with wood on the outside to block out any sounds. So it was, like, quiet in there oh, except for you. I and that. Yeah, and like I said, it's all, like, cement in there. It's very echoey and just, like, super uncomfortable. It's prison, you know. <laughs> it's supposed to be uncomfortable. And actually when it was built, it was pretty state-of-the-art for the time. And each room had its own sink and own toilet, so the prisoners didn't have to leave for anything. But the toilets were remotely flushed by the guards twice a week. Oh, no! Only twice a week! Can you imagine? <laughs> you better time your shits right. <laughs> you imagine having one really bad poop. And just having to live and with that, it for, like, four yeah, days. Yeah, and that happens randomly. <laughs> yeah, and especially if you're eating, like, 1800s prison food. What the hell? Oh, my. Horrible. They did that on purpose. They Probably. To suffer. So, in these little tiny rooms, it was literally just, like, a bed, a sink, a toilet, and then a little skylight up above in the ceiling that was called the Eye of God. Again, making them feel all repentish because religion. Because Christianity... Uh, and they, the doors to get in and out of the cells just had, like, a slot underneath to, like, push food or whatever in and out. So that was, a lot of times, kind of the only interaction that they had. And the doors to get in and out of the cells were really low, so you'd have to, like, bow to enter. Hmm. Again, some people thought because you had to, like, bow, it's, like, a repenting to God thing, and other people think it's, so it's harder to, like, attack guards coming in and out. yeah. That makes sense. But some of the cells actually had, like, a tiny little walled-off outdoor area so they could get little outside time for an hour a day. But they would kind of stagger when it would happen so that no two prisoners were directly next to each other. And even then, the walls outside were really high, so it's not like they could communicate. But it's so you couldn't even shout to each other. Oh, my God. Like, you had no human interaction. Um, But you could have a garden or pets out there. 
which I really? thought was cool. Yeah. What, like, okay. My... Which seems so out of place for the rest of it. Yeah. My... Which, that may have come later, because I know they made a lot of changes. Obviously, in 1971, when it closed, it wasn't following all the exact same protocol as it was in 1829. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'm sure there were some differences. My question <clears throat> is, how, who, how do they decide what prisoner is allowed to have a pet? Uh, good behavior and stuff. There are prisons now that prisoners have a cat, but you can only have the cat if you're on good behavior. If mm-hmm. you act out, you lose your cat, shit like that. So it's probably the same type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it in a documentary where there were these guys on death row, and they have been on death row for, like, 11 plus years, and this one guy had, like, a TV, a cat, a bunch of books, like, he was living it up behind the And then cell. you get to die at the end? Apparently. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm not depressed. I don't need a therapist. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have this white claw. Good thing I'm becoming a therapist. <laughs> yeah, help me, Emily. Make me draw my feelings. <laughs> so prison life in general was obviously just, like, not good. Like, we talked about, you know, the way the prison was built was intentionally making it scary, but mm-hmm. life there, shocking in prison, also scary. Yeah. So, like I said, it was designed for complete solitude, and prisoners were not allowed to interact with each other and had little to no interaction with guards. So, and some people would be there for years and years and not speak to another person. That's not good. Which is so bad. That's, That's so, so unhealthy. Insane. Yeah. So, even when they were being walked around the prison to, like, a different location or whatever, they had these hoods that would be put over their head so that they couldn't see the guards. They they couldn't be recognized by the guards or by other inmates and also so they could not see the layout of the prison that's almost kind of smart kind of smart but also crazy very inhumane you know but uh kind of smart definitely inhumane (laughs) they weren't allowed to have visitors or get letters or even read the news while they were in there they had literally nothing oh my god and of course like with any prison story the guards were obviously super abusive and had all these like psychotic horrible punishments for the prisoners one was called the mad chair and it was this chair that they would get strapped to with like these leather things Mm -hmm. and sometimes it was so tight that it would cut off circulation and they could lose a limb like they'd be there for hours or even days and they could entirely lose a limb oh my god yeah also one which i think was especially crazy it was called the iron gag which was like this metal thing that would go in their mouth connect their tongue and their cheeks and then it would connect to their wrists that were tied behind their back so any movement would, like, rip out, like, rip apart their tongue and cheek and shit. And at least one person died from that. Oh one God. recorded person died from that. That one's fucking crazy. One was called, like, the ice bath. I don't remember the actual name for it. But they would take prisoners outside in the winter and dip them in freezing water and just let them hang there. Oh, shit. Until, like, their skin, like, was coated in ice. They get fucking hypothermia. That's crazy. Yeah, and then they they would end up losing limbs that way, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then there was the hole. The hole. The hole, which was the affectionate name given to cell block 13, a.k.a. the punishment block. Kind of like time out. So I actually went in there because it's available for you to walk into. And it's like this staircase that's outside. It's like underneath one of the other cell blocks. Mm -hmm. It's just this little staircase goes down and underneath. Mm -hmm. And at first it looked like a maintenance area of some kind. I didn't think it was anything interesting Mm -hmm. but it's like this tiny little dark damp underground area with these like i guess you could call them doorways but they're just kind of holes in the wall and the ceiling was so low that even i had to duck and i'm five two oh my god yeah and it's just like exposed pipes everywhere with these little 
like dark holes in the side where they'd get stuffed in and they'd have to stay in there for a few weeks. And it was like, there's no light whatsoever. You're just sitting there in the darkness oh in this tiny little hole underground by yourself. Could they even like stand up? I couldn't stand up. That's crazy. Yeah. Insane. So this was reserved for like really bad punishments and sometimes would get guys locked up down there for like months. Oh my God. Like this group of 12 guys who tried to escape in April of 1945, including the famous bank robber, Willie Sutton. So they took turns trying to dig a hole using spoons and flattened cans in the ho- in like the side of one of their cells and they dug into the wall and then down and across and the tunnel ended up being 97 feet when they were caught. Holy shit. Yeah. And actually, it's like a little hole in the wall. It's only like two feet. Like this just hole in the cement. And it's at Eastern State still. You can go see it. And I sat in it. There are some cells that you can walk into. Like there are certain cell blocks you can go in and check mm-hmm. out the cells and shit. And then other ones that are completely crumbling and they're just, yeah. you can look in but you can't go. Yeah. And that was one of the ones you could walk into. And I'm like, yo, I know what that is. That's those guys who tried to escape. And there wasn't a sign or anything, which I thought was super weird. That is weird. Yeah. Is that where Shawshank Redemption got idea from could be honestly because then when they tried to do renovations a few years later they found over 30 other attempts at tunnels god yeah and they didn't get very far but like 30 other times and they just didn't know until they started doing renovations and they were like shit these men almost escaped you know what (laughs) and like none of them got as far as as that one like they were all pretty pretty weak compared to those 12 guys and they took them a year well yeah i mean they were using spoons and yeah, cans, so. 12 guys over the course of a year. Like, they took shifts. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was crazy. So, after some time, whoever's in charge of the prisons decided that the Pennsylvania system fucking sucked, obviously, and they transitioned back into, like, a regular prison-type system starting in the 1860s and finishing in 1913. So, the solitary thing wasn't forever. It was only for, like, the first 80 years. That's still but a long-ass time. Yeah. And then solitary was only for, like, punishment purposes like it is today, which is still fucked up and should not happen. Yeah. If Orange is the New Black taught me anything, Sophia deserved better. I just don't agree with that. No. It can make people fucking nuts. It only makes things worse. That's, yeah. That's insane. However, when it's not one person per cell now with this new system, you get the other typical prison issue of overcrowding. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, cells meant to hold one person might be holding two or three, and a prison built for 250 was holding 1,700 people. Oh my god. And it got so bad that in the 1930s, prisoners tried to protest by setting their cells on fire. Okay. Yeah, and then a bunch of people just got sick from, like, smoke inhalation, and they were like, you guys are fucking dumb. Fucking dumbasses. <laughs> what? what the fuck? Right. And then there's one very notable prisoner who I would like to talk about. Some might even say he's the goodest prisoner of them all. Oh, the goodest? The goodest. Pep, the cat murdering dog. What the fuck? Yeah, there was a dog in the prison. Whose uh, dog was it? Uh, I'll get there. Don't worry, sis. <laughs> so this was actually when we uh, when we did a tour, there was like this whole plaque for this dog and like all this information about him, which was super interesting and really cute. There was a picture of him. He had his own mugshot. So there was a mugshot of this dog with his little prison number and everything. Oh. So, he was allegedly given a life sentence for killing the governor's wife's cat, like her beloved cat. Holy shit. But they think what really happened was that the governor donated his own dog as kind of like a therapy pet for the prisoners. Aww. Which is, that's That's nice. That's really nice. You know, that's pretty nice. Uh, One other prisoner that was there that you may have heard of, probably even you, Emily, have heard of Al Capone. 
Oh, yes. Al Capone? Yes, I have. So he actually spent eight months at Eastern State Penitentiary in 1929 on charges for a concealed weapon, because unfortunately that's always what happens with, like, those high-level criminals. You can't get them on their actual crimes. It's just, like, something (laughs) lame like that, and he only spends eight months in prison. (laughs) So most cells were, like I described earlier, these tiny little cement boxes with just, like, a bed, sink, toilet. Not this guy. His was furnished. And is still set up the way he had it. You can see it today. We walked into it. It's pretty cool. But he had, like, this big, nice, plushy chair, a desk with a little lamp, a radio, oil paintings, an oriental rug. Excuse me? Yeah, all this nice stuff because mobster. So when we start talking about the haunted history of this place, it's super awesome that we get to start with Al Capone. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. So one of the bullet points on his long list of crimes was the infamous St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where seven men were killed, one of them being this man called Jimmy Clark. So Jimmy apparently was not happy about being murdered, because it's said that he haunted Al Capone while he was in prison at Eastern State. Yikes. And yeah. Uh, Capone was often heard screaming from his cell and saying, leave me alone, Jimmy, and even told a guard that Jimmy kept coming to his cell and harassing him in the night. What a pussy. I know. <laughs> so even Al Capone was terrorized by this Holy place. Holy shit. How cool, like, oh, how crazy, right? Yeah, especially if Jimmy Clark or whatever his name was, like, specifically followed Al Capone everywhere after his death. Right, like, who's to say it was only at Eastern State? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's something to say for a place that is just kind of, like, collecting sorrow and misery the way a prison does, that mm-hmm. it just kind of creates an energy that makes a ghost able to appear definitely yeah who's to say it followed him everywhere maybe he was just kind of feeding off the energy of that place and was able to appear to him there yeah uh, because of those reasons but i'd like to think that jimmy clark followed him everywhere and ruined his life and that's why he got syphilis oh that's what happened to him yeah no uh al capone had syphilis because I i don't know if you know this but was it like after like how long after he got out of eastern state was he still walking around the streets like well yeah he was like a bouncer at a brothel when he got syphilis oh shit yeah and then he went and like bought an island and died of pneumonia what the fuck yeah anyway that's al capone (laughs) (laughs) finalizing the history of eastern state penitentiary it closed in 1971 all the prisoners were relocated and then ideas were thrown around about like what to do with the building because it's like this massive fucking building yeah what do you do with it People were thinking maybe, like, a shopping center. No. No. So it sat completely empty until, like, the late 80s. So, like, 15, 20 Mm -hmm. years of nothing. And in that time, this, like, fucking forest grew up inside it. Like, the walls and ceilings were crumbling, and it was inhabited by a lot of stray cats. Which I think is kind of cute. Yeah. And then it, they eventually decided that it needed to be, like, a historic landmark, and now it's, like, this, you know, national historic thing good choice right (laughs) and it opened for tours in 1994 but you can actually really still see the evidence of it being abandoned Mm -hmm. like some of the cells like i said have been restored and you can walk into them and see what they were like Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are in the same condition like just full of rubble and like collapsing walls and you can't go into those cells but you can look at them i think that's kind of nice though because then oh it's so cool yeah like i don't know there's it it loses something when it's been remodeled. Absolutely. So it's nice to have the remodeled part where you can actually see what it would have looked like back then, and then the part where it's like, this is authentic as fuck. Absolutely. And there's one entire cell block, and I'm going to post, I took a fuck ton of pictures, so I'm sure if you saw this on the Instagram, guys, uh, most of these pictures that I'm going to post, I took. So there's this one cell block that they didn't touch, 
and they left mm-hmm. it completely the way they found it and it's just gated off so you can stand and like you can stand in the center and turn in a circle and look down all of the cell blocks Whoa. because like it all converges in the center and there's like seven big doors like big yeah. archways that go straight down a massive corridor oh full of cells yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's so fucking cool uh and the one they they didn't restore it at all they completely left it untouched and you can stand and just look down and see like the there's one light that fell all the way down to the ceiling and is hanging by the cable down on the floor there's rubble there are random ferns growing up in the middle of it it's so goddamn cool that's so cool it's so fucking cool um big fucking fan of abandoned places which oh i showed you the pictures me and nick went to that abandoned mill over the weekend dude i love abandoned shit i love abandoned shit if only it wasn't illegal to go in i'm a really big believer in places like collecting energy whether it be good or bad and places where people spent a lot of time kind of almost like holding like a piece of them yeah like there are places that i spent a lot of time especially like I think quiet time mm-hmm. where you have like quiet time with yourself I feel like a piece of you stays there mm-hmm. there are a lot of places that I think if you spend enough time there and have enough different kind of like emotion a piece of you stays there and I'm that goes for ghosts for sure you know Definitely. we've talked about places where there's a lot of aggressive emotion whether it be good or bad that's where your ghost hangs out mm-hmm. but just I feel like there are a lot of other places that you just kind of leave pieces of you yeah. Does that make sense? No, definitely. Okay. It's beautiful, yeah. though. It is. And it's, like, sometimes you can see, like, before and after pictures of yeah. places that have were once thriving and are now completely abandoned. It's just crazy. To think about what happened there. Yeah. Okay, so are we ready to talk about the ghostly parts of Eastern State? Bring on the now spooky, that we've spooky. derailed long enough. <laughs> it was interesting. All right. I thought so, but, you know, I always think so. <laughs> Uh, So, like I said, Eastern State is considered one of the most haunted places in America, and there is no shortage of firsthand accounts and actual physical evidence of the spiritual activity there. Like, a lot of people, like I said, have voice recordings, have videos of what have happened, but there's also just a lot of firsthand accounts, Mm -hmm. both by, like, people who work there and people who are just visiting. Mm -hmm. Which is not surprising, considering how much suffering went on there and how many thousands of people spent so much time there with nothing but their thoughts. Yeah, really. Had nothing but their thoughts. Do you think that people that suffered there and then left the prison and then died, do you think that their spirit could possibly go back to that place because it was so, like, Absolutely, yeah. Traumatic? I, I really do think that because I know, like I said earlier and like I've said so many times, is that your ghost kind of hangs around wherever there was a lot of emotion. Yeah. So if you spent you know, 10 fucking traumatic years in one cell by yourself, unfortunately, that's probably where your ghost is going to go back to. Yeah. Unless, you know, a lot of times ghosts haunt the place that they died because a lot of deaths contain a lot of, like, fear and other emotion. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. A lot of people die very peaceful deaths. Mm-hmm. And they're no... just very sudden. They don't. There's no reaction to it. Right, them. exactly. And there's no need for their ghost to hang around there. Yeah. He's like, died in the street. I'm going to go back to Eastern State. Exactly, right? <laughs> Since so much probably horrible emotions happened in Eastern State, even if they died elsewhere, their spirits definitely could have hung around Eastern State. But also, like we said, at least a thousand people died there. Oh, yeah. You know? Whether it was suicide, murder, pneumonia, any of those things are mm. kind of terrible, so... Yeah, all of them are. Even <laughs> fucking pneumonia, yeah, dying of pneumonia. None of those are good. 
So there are a lot of reports of like various apparitions, hearing voices, a lot of like weeping sounds or sometimes laughter, things moving whether people are looking or not. And so many of these accounts are fucking identical, but they're made by different people at different times. There's just no way it's a coincidence. Yeah. So I want to start with some of the specific activity in certain cell blocks. The first being cell block 15, which was especially fun since it was the block for the worst behaved prisoners and the death row inmates. Oh, shit. Yeah. So these prisoners were entirely separated from the guards and each other. Like, their the whole cell block was gated off from guards. Like, they had almost no interaction with each other at all. Like, even less so than other people. Wow. Yeah. So, in cell block 15, people have reported hearing whispers, often sounding like they're coming from within one of the cells and kind of echoing around the walls inside. Mm. Some people have even said they're being lured into the cells by the whispering. Oh, my God. Uh, One woman reported that she thought she kept hearing her name whispered from inside, and she was there with her husband. So, she thought her husband was inside, like, tricking her. Oh, my God. So, she, like, almost went in, and then she was like, wait a second. Let me, Wait a minute. Let, let, That's not Doug. Let, it's not Doug. Rethink that move, sis. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. There are also a lot of running shadow people. Oh, I hate like, that. Yeah. Shadow people are rampant at Eastern State. Oh, my God. Yeah. There are a lot of stories of shadows and shadow people moving around Eastern State. Like, maybe they're the ghosts of prisoners trying to escape or to avoid being seen. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But one night guard actually quit working. He quit his job there when he watched two shadows running down the corridor of cell 15, and he was very firm that it was not something, like, out of the corner of his eye. Mm-hmm. Like, he said he stood there and watched them straight on for a good few seconds and said there was no mistaking what he saw. Wow. He said there were no people on the grounds at the time other than himself and his partner, who was in the office at the time, and he saw shadows, but, quote, not connected to any people or animals, just two shadows running at full sprint toward the end door. Oh my god. Yeah. And on the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode, Shane and Ryan heard a distant scream while they were investigating uh, 15, and you can hear it, like, on the audio, in the video, you can hear it. Like, a distant scream. That's crazy. And Shane heard a whimpering sound that made him stop and turn around and stare at the direction it had come from. Which is crazy, because he... Yes! So skeptical. Yes. For those of you who don't know, Shane is, like, a huge skeptic. He does not believe in ghosts whatsoever. He's never afraid because he thinks it's completely bullshit. He does not believe at all. And he's just kind of there to be, like, the comedic relief slash voice of reason. I love him. And that is the only time that he had a reaction like that while investigating. That's crazy. Yeah. So I thought that was significant to mention that. Definitely. Like, a, a distant scream and a whimper aren't huge, but... For somebody who does not believe in ghosts to react the way he did, yeah. I think it's significant. Oh, definitely. Uh, cell Block 12 is also a really active area where staff said, quote, at least once a week, someone reports hearing a cackling laugh, whether it be a staff or a guest. Ooh. Somebody hears this cackling laugh. And again, that's way too often to be a coincidence. These yeah. people don't know each other. They're, They're separated by yeah. time. yeah. And there's also a lot of voices heard in that area, usually sounding distant and echoing around again, because it's huge, massive, very echoey place. Yeah. But these voices are being heard when no one else is around. And my most favorite thing of all is that one clip from Ghost Hunters was in Cell Block 12. I can't think if I saw it or not. It's, I'm sure you've seen it somewhere at some point. If you haven't seen it, it's, like I said, one of the first few episodes, it's on the second floor on the catwalk because mm-hmm. there's just like a little walk on each side mm-hmm. 
and they just put up like a static cam to record while they were investigating because they just put cameras kind of everywhere just in case they catch something. It looks like a figure wearing like a dress or a cloak of some kind walks toward the camera and then really quickly turns around and they kind of it's like the flick of fabric oh my God. flails toward the camera it's like they walk out of the darkness and immediately turn around and just like flail their cloak into the camera oh my god so that happened on Block 12 on one of the catwalks and i stood right where they took that oh. video and i just stood there and was like this is amazing i love this did you ever <laughs> feel anything weird there I didn't, but it's because I was too giddy. Yeah. And it was during the daytime, and there were a fuck ton of people around. Yeah, that's true. So I tried, but I didn't. That's Mm. why I think I want to go back at night or when there's less people and just kind of feel the space Mm -hmm. and feel less excitement. Because I was only (laughs) excited the whole time. I was so happy. (laughs) I was just, like, the happiest little person. Every negative energy is like, stay the fuck away from that. (laughs) Yeah, right? I was just, I scared the ghosts away with my joy. Oh, my God. I love that. (laughs) So, yeah, that was how about... 12. So staff also report in that area that cell doors open themselves in the cell block when no one is around. So they say sometimes even if they just walk away for five minutes and come back, at least one cell door will probably be open. And they've tested to like see, is it just like a slant? Are they just rolling open on their own? But it's almost only when people walk away. And those things have to be fucking heavy. Yeah, they're very heavy. (laughs) And one time a tour guide was leading a group up to cell block 12 and heard the scraping of a door opening. So she like hurried ahead to try to catch it. But when she got there, it was all done. And every single cell door was open when they had been closed 20 minutes earlier. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, Cell block four, also fun. A lot of footsteps and faces are seen. Oh my god. So one of the best stories I read was by Gary Johnson, which was like one of the few people I could actually find their name Mm -hmm. when they told the story. Uh, But he worked there in the early 90s. And he said he opened a lock for a cell in block four when he was suddenly, quote, gripped by a dark force and couldn't move. And he said, like, this evil negative energy kind of, like, engulfed him as soon as he opened the cell. And he saw, quote, tormented faces appear on the cell wall as he stood there completely unable to move or escape. And he said he heard multiple voices whispering, but he couldn't figure out what they were saying Mm because there were a bunch of them talking at once. And he felt that, quote, that moment would be his last. The ghosts were going to kill him. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's fucking, that's the craziest one. That's so crazy. Like, and that's when we were talking about, you know, the cell doors being so small so that when they have to, like, duck to go through mm-hmm. that you can't jump a guard. But as soon as he opened the cell, he was just almost, like, attacked by prisoners. That's so weird. Is, is how I interpret it anyway. I'm just. Who's to say? So the only thing that I, when I'm thinking about that, is that, like, you know how when it's, like, pitch black dark and, like, you your eyes haven't really adjusted, so you're, like, you're seeing things that mm-hmm. aren't there? I but don't it doesn't think, explain the other thing. I don't think it was at nighttime, though. Oh, shit, then. Because it was, like, the faces were, like, appearing on the walls. That's really weird. Yeah. I don't think it was at nighttime. In the daytime, yeah, that'd be fucking weird. Yeah, because he was just, like, a standard employee. He wasn't, like, a nighttime guard oh, or anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he was actually the guy who worked on the locks. Another super popular ghost is a figure up in the guard tower, hmm. which one of the f- one of the first times it was seen, 
on a tour, there was a child who saw a figure up in the guard tower and, like, pointed it out, shouted out, whatever, Mm -hmm. and the entire tour turned to see this figure just in time for it to, like, duck away and completely vanish. Here's the thing. There's no way to get to the guard tower anymore. Oh, no. The staircase was made of brick, and it crumbled away, like, decades ago. There's no way to get there. Oh, my God. And this ghost is seen so often that, like, apparently the apparition is even seen from people walking by on the street. Because, like I said, you can just, this is just on a normal street in Philadelphia. I would stare out my window of that house. Of the little mint house? Yeah. Yes. Just all day waiting for it to appear. Yeah. So that one I thought was kind of cool. That's amazing. Because that one is seen super often that, like, even when ghost hunting teams go there, they usually point a camera up at the tower to see if anybody shows up. I wonder if it's a, I, I would assume it would be a guard, right? That's what... You would think, because I don't think prisoners would be up in the guard tower. Yeah, like, why? Yeah. Unless it's a ghost who's like, I want to feel like the powerful one now. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if there was, I'm sure there were quite a few guards that were killed. Pro- I would imagine so. Yeah. Or even, again, if they spent a lot of time there, True. you know, and th- that's where their ghost goes back. To the guard tower. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one other ghost actually has a name, because she is seen so often. Her name is the Soap Lady. She's seen wearing entirely white, sitting in the last cell on the second floor in the women's cell block. And she's seen, like I said, so often. And it's kind of like you pass by the cell and Mm -hmm. see a figure in white sitting in one of the chairs. And you kind of do a double take and go back and she's gone. But she is seen a lot. I don't know why she's called the soap lady. I tried to look into it and it didn't really get any information. Maybe she smelled like soap. Could be. (laughs) Also, one tour guy reported smelling smoke while on a tour with a group, and so he took his whole group outside to, mm-hmm. you know, outside to safety, and then he went back in to look around and try to find the source of the smoke. He said he didn't see anything, so he did a quick loop to be sure. He said it started smelling very strongly in one area, right in the center of cell block four. So he stopped and went to, like, peek into one of the cells, and as he did, he heard a very sudden, loud, bone-chilling laugh from directly behind him. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, bolted the fuck out of there. Oh, he yeeted. And he ran all the way back to his group, and he immediately told this tour group what the fuck just happened to him, and they all wanted to go check it out. Oh, my God. That would be us. <laughs> exactly. That's, like, why shows I, where it that's why I love this story. He ran back and told them. He's like, guys, you're not going to believe this. Like... I am an official employee, and guess what the fuck just happened? And they were all super excited and wanted to go see. That's crazy. Which would absolutely be me. Uh, So the last specific story I'll share is from a ghost hunting team that did one of the night tours, and they brought some of their amateur equipment along just for Mm -hmm. funsies. And while they were stopped reading some of the information... And they said that this sucked because it was, like, one of the few times that they didn't, like, have their little camcorder going because they were stopped Mm -hmm. just reading some of the information plaques in the center of the building, which is, like, that round room with all the big doorways Mm -hmm. going out towards the cell blocks. And they said that they heard footsteps running towards them from the darkness of one of the cell blocks. So they all turned expecting to see somebody Mm -hmm. because, like, there were other people there on the tour, so they, they didn't really think anything of it. They thought it was just another person. So they turned waiting to see someone and did not see anything but heard the footsteps run all the way up to them and stop. Oh, my God. And they, he said, like, they said they all completely froze and just felt every hair on their body stand up. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? That's so crazy. I feel like ghosts can tell, like, when you're not recording. Yeah, they sure can. They fucking do, <laughs> like, fucking do the shit when you're not recording. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Holy shit. But, yeah, so that one I thought was just 
hair raising. Yeah, because you can't see what's coming at you, but no, you can yeah. hear it. And they, like, at first they didn't think it was anything. They thought it was just a person. So yeah. they turned around and there was just nothing, but the footsteps oh. kept running all the way up to them. <sighs> at, oh, my God. Like, at what point do you realize there's no person with those footsteps? Yeah, I mean, I if they're ass- If they're, like, running out of the dark. Yeah, you would expect to see someone running up to you until, like... When when do you realize there's no to be one right there in front of you? Right. Ugh. At what distance do you realize there's no one there? I hate that. Ugh, terrifying. Okay. Uh. So yeah, there are a million and one cases that anybody can read. I would really suggest like going and reading some of these stories because there are so many. Whether they're from actual ghost hunting teams, there are a lot of episodes of various ghost hunting shows on Eastern State Penitentiary. Mm-hmm. There's just amateur ghost hunters who post their stuff online or just people who have either worked there or gone on tours there they so many people have experiences there unfortunately i had none like i said it is literally my favorite spooky place of all time i need to go back it's really not that far away it's only in philly i really want to go we should go i want to go so bad i think i think anybody should go I think yeah. everybody and anybody should go. And you don't even necessarily have to go in, like, October. No, not at all. I literally went in August. Yeah. We were, like, on our way to Virginia Beach, and we always stop over in Philly. So I was like, hey, we're in Philly. Uh, we're going to go. Oh, also, yeah. Also, I think, um, do you remember the boy in the box? Yes. Okay. He's also buried in Philly. Really? And, yeah, he's buried in a grave that's just dedicated to, like, all of the... Like, unknown or missing children. Was he found in Philly? I think so. He must have been then. Yeah, he had to have been. But I wanted to go see that grave also, but I didn't get a chance. That would have been really cool. Like, when Nick and I were in Baltimore, we went to uh, Edgar Allan Poe's grave. That's awesome. That was so awesome. Uh, So, yeah, that's Eastern State Penitentiary. That's what I've got for you today, folks. That's spooky. There's nothing I love more than a haunted place. Except Mothman. And other cryptids. But mostly haunted places. (laughs) Of course, Mothman. So anyway, shall we move into a dad joke intermission? Do, do, do. Okay, so I decided to do all like Halloween and ghost themes ones since it's October. That's a good idea. All right, ready? What did the ghost order at the bar? Mm, what? Some booze. Oh, oh, come on. I should have got that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I literally have Halloween socks that say here for the booze. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> okay, do you have one? Yes. Um, I copied you. I looked up some Halloween dad jokes. Damn. Um, <laughs> why did the Headless Horseman get a job? I don't know. He was trying to get ahead in life. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> not bad, not bad. <laughs> Alright, I have a second one. I'm very excited for this one. It's cute. Who did the ghost take to prom? Oh, I know this one. His ghoul friend. Yes, his ghoul friend. <gasps> that's so cute. You finally knew one. I'm so proud. I, kn- <laughs> I'm I know, a proud that's the only dad. one I knew. <laughs> I have one that's, like, basically the same one as that. Why didn't the skeleton go to prom? Uh, he didn't have any body to go with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just guessed. I'm good. <laughs> he had no body to go with. You're good. You, like... Every time I have dad jokes, you know all of them, so. I'm a natural dad. You are. You're it's literally what I a do. dad. All right, and that concludes dad joke intermission. Woo! I'm very, very, very excited to hear all about the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. <gasps> so spooky. Spooky ooky. Spooky ooky. I mean, everybody went there. Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters. Um, Namido. 
No, that's in West Virginia. West Virginia. <laughs> Mountain mama. So, yes, if I were to ever go to West Virginia, <laughs> I would definitely hit this place up. It's actually very beautiful. We should add it to our road trip list up and down the East Coast because yeah. there are a lot of places not that far from us. Yeah, West Virginia isn't that far. No, like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, that kind of stuff yeah. is really not that far, and there's a lot of shit there. Yeah, we totally didn't put that down. I don't know. How far could he be from Mothman, though? Not that far. West Virginia's not very big, and it's a weird shape. Shout out, West Virginia. <laughs> you're a stupid shape. You're a stupid shape, <laughs> but stupid you're better shape. than Virginia. <laughs> that's not true. Virginia has beaches. What does West Virginia have? Mothman. Mothman. And that's it. <laughs> uh, the Flatwoods Monster. True. Uh, that song. True. Uh, mountains. Okay. Uh, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. True. Racism. Very true. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> Texas, Florida. West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> the trifecta. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> All right. So, good, good intro. Good intro to uh, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. So, like I said, it's located in Virginia in a town called Weston. And it first opened its doors to patients in 1864, but it was still sort of under construction at this time, and it would occur sort of throughout 1881, so a solid, math, 20 years maybe. Um, oh, <laughs> math. Yeah, <laughs> that was just a guess. So a guy named Richard Snowden Andrews designed the whole style of the hospital, and he wanted it to be like a mix between Gothic and Tudor. So if you've seen photos of this building, it's absolutely gorgeous. And it was constructed with wings in like a staggered formation to assure mm -hmm. that each structure received plenty of therapeutic sunlight and fresh air. Because during this period uh, in this hospital, the doctors really promoted uh, natural light and, you know, fresh air. They thought that was a form of therapy, which today and, and it, it, is. it is. Because like... Back then, so many people were like, oh no, this sick, ailing person is going crazy and can't breathe. Your house is made of lead and asbestos. <laughs> True. Of course, going somewhere with fresh air is going to make you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's actual therapies where, um, especially for like veterans and stuff, where yeah. you go out into nature um, and it's a lot of mindfulness stuff that goes oh, on. Mindfulness. Yeah. If you just think about the reasons you're depressed, you'll be less depressed. Oh, if only that were true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So, like I said... <laughs> Breathe the fresh air and you'll yes, be less crazy. Yes, that's what they thought. Okay. Yes, definitely. And Dr. Thomas Story Kirkbride's theory about all this was called moral treatment, and it focused on constructive ideas for the mental asylum, so trying to make... I guess make use out of the structure instead of just like fucking locking them up in a cell and forgetting about them. Mm -hmm. Kirkside had said that the long staggering wings for the this all this sunlight and air was to promote like a curative effect and he said quote it was a special apparatus for lunacy. Oh okay <laughs> an apparatus for lunacy. Yeah these like staggering wings so that all this light can come in and shit. Tag yourself. I'm apparatus for lunacy. <laughs> I love that phrase. This whole building was originally only designed to hold 250 patients. Oh, exactly the same as Eastern State. Yeah. Interesting. That's weird. <laughs> I guess that was, like, the norm, but obviously, like, every other asylum, they went way overboard at some point. What? No. <laughs> 
especially in the 1950s, it became so overcrowded at one point that they went from 250 patients to 2,400 patients. <gasps> oh, my God. That's yeah. even worse than Eastern State. Yeah. That's this, crazy. This place uh, was bad. Some forms of treatment that happened at this asylum um, included bloodletting and insulin coma therapy, seclusion cells, and confinement cribs. The insulin coma therapy was obviously they would use insulin to induce comas. For what reason? I don't know. Just to make them be quiet, I guess. Honestly, probably. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there are a lot of treatments from the past that are like, this will make you better. No, you just want them to be quiet. Yeah, that's literally what it is. Especially if they, if they were so overcrowded, they were just kind of like, just fucking shut them up. Right, yeah. They didn't give a shit. It's sad, Oof. but... It's just like people's storage. It's not even like necessarily getting help or, you know, any of the reasons you went there not being treated. It's just people's storage. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like we can't handle this. We don't know what's going on with this person. Fucking put them in the mountains Put somewhere. them over there where they can't bother us. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It's disgusting. And the, the you know, seclusion cells, obviously, that's where you that people would be secluded by themselves and confinement cribs. They're like, I've seen pictures, they're like literal cribs for adults where you have to lie yeah. down and then there's like a cage on top so you can't sit up or anything or like move. Um, so that's great. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This hospital or asylum didn't close until 1994. And the only reason what? they... The only reason they closed was due to like changes in patient treatment. Like they, especially in the 70s and stuff, uh, people were starting to figure out the sort of treatment that, you know, clinicians and nurses and stuff were giving these patients, and it was very brutal, and the living conditions were absolutely horrendous and disgusting. Of course. Um, Which is always the story. Yeah. I sort of sectioned it from the 19th century period when this w place was running to, like, the 20th century, because there's it's different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, as treatments begin to change and stuff, um, and overcrowding begins, stuff changes. So, like I said, the construction of the building began in 1858, but they had to stop construction for a period of time in 1861 because um, of the outbreak of the Civil War. And then it continued in 1862, and it was named the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. This was because in 1863, West Virginia was recognized as a U.S. state, so they were like, let's name the hospital. Right. Yeah, whatever. Um <laughs> And the hospital was, like, built to be self-sufficient, too. So it had a farm, cows for dairy and stuff, and it had um, its own, like, water source. Okay. and like it all well or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also had, obviously, a cemetery. And what's suspicious about this is that the hospital is on 666 acres of land. Oh, okay, 666. I yeah. see you. Yeah, I, I don't see know. you, you creepy bitches. That's pretty sus, man. I don't know. You love to see it. So the first, like, actual patient to be admitted in the 1800s was a housewife who had, quote, domestic trouble. And we'll, oh, no. yeah, we'll get into um, some of the reasons that people were admitted. It's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> and a lot of times, uh, women. Yeah. Were diagnosed as crazy for yeah. random shit. Mm hmm Like reading. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Fuck if I know. She's, oh my gosh, she knows how to read. She must have, be possessed. She a witch. <laughs> Literally, though. Reasons for admission to this asylum in the 1800s ranged anywhere from people who just masturbated to... <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, back then that was a sin. Yeah. It was seen as There are devil still shit. people who think that. Yeah, that's true. They said that... Oh, oh, my God. Not that long ago I saw something about like that. It's like 
ringing the devil's doorbell, and soon enough he'll answer. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, these uh, people would be admitted for anywhere between masturbation or to women who were, quote, menstrually deranged. Me. I know, literally me, like right now. (laughs) <laughs> there are, sometimes I'm like why am I having a mental breakdown why do I want to snap every single neck on earth yeah why do I have all of, oh that's why <laughs> <laughs> makes sense so some other reasons that people were admitted was self-abuse menopause feebleness of intellect which I guess was a way of saying like you know intellectual disabilities asthma <laughs> domestic Mm -hmm. trouble so like people would literally drop off their spouses when there's a domestic dispute (laughs) like take my wife she's not fucking listening to me that was kind of my fear is like could we do that with the men though (laughs) because i i get the feeling it's only like my wife isn't cleaning the house take her to the asylum not my man's not cleaning the house so far you're just listing reasons i would be put in a mental asylum women in general yeah (laughs) and i'm like i'm a lot you know like i'm (laughs) i'm not like your cookie cutter little dainty girl like they would want us to be so yeah you and i both probably not because we're very outspoken too like we're not gonna take that shit right and our husbands would be like you're going to the mental asylum bold of you to assume I would let a man marry me. (laughs) Back then, are you kidding me? Be like, you all suck. I'm a spinster for life, bitch. I'm the wine aunt of the 1800s. (laughs) What would that be? What did they drink back then? Wine. They've been having wine since Jesus. Yeah, but did I feel like they didn't drink, did they drink like moonshine or something? Like the, like people that weren't like fancy rich? Could be. Yeah. They probably drank fucking, like... Like, malt liquor? Yeah, like yeah. something cheap. I like malt liquor. <laughs> there we go. Grain alcohol, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, some other reasons people would be admitted would be for egotism, jealousy and religion, laziness. I would be admitted right away. Absolutely same. <laughs> if I have free time, I'ma lay down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seduction and disappointment. <laughs> I don't know why those are together. As a pair? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure why. Being disappointed that you couldn't seduce someone or something, like it didn't work, I guess. (laughs) Like you tried to seduce a man and he was like, nah, I'm not having it. And then you were like, fuck, I'm crazy. I'm going to put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Apparatus for lunacy and (laughs) seduction and disappointment. That would be really good. I'm going to open a t-shirt line. Yeah, like the penny tees. Oh, yes. For adults, though. Yes, I'm going to make adult penny tees that say weird shit like that, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the last one I put down was if your parents were cousins. Oh, well, That's yeah. pretty self-explanatory. Mm, yeah. So, that is kind of what happened during the 19th century when this place was getting started. Uh, those are the reasons that people were getting admitted, basically for anything that someone didn't agree with right um so in the 20th century they changed the name to weston state hospital in 1913 and by 1938 there were 1166 patients admitted and like i said by the 1950s there were 2400 damn and this meant that there were four to five patients crammed in a room that was only meant for one jesus christ yeah so a room that was only built for one they were shoving four or five people into it. 
like I said, they had a farm and also, you know, the cows for the dairy and stuff. That stuff was only designed to feed 300 people, and so they couldn't meet the demands of the overcrowding patients, and so a lot of them began to suffer from malnutrition. Yep. By 1938, it was stated that the hospital was admitting epileptics, alcoholics, drug addicts, and non-educable mental defectives. Isn't it just great how they used to word things back then? Yeah, Like, that's so fucking insulting. I mean... But the thing is that a lot of old terminology wasn't really insulting at the time. That's it's, true. It's what it became later that made it insulting. That's true. Like, I had this conversation with my mom about the R word the other day, and she was like, well, it had its own definition before it became a slur, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yes, you're right, but plenty of words were normal words that mm. were not a swear mm-hmm. word or a slur, and then they became that when society decided to use them as insults. That's very true. You know? Yeah. So... Uneducable? Uneducable? Yes. Non-educable mental defectives. Yeah. I guess they were just trying to sound professional, too. Yeah. That's rough. So, in 1949, a reporter did a series of reports on the living conditions. He said that it was obviously very unsanitary, Mm -hmm. very neglectful. Mm -hmm. Uh, The patients weren't being taken care of. He said that they were sleeping on floors and in freezing cold rooms, and there was barely any furniture anywhere. Like, basically just bare rooms, maybe a, a single cot, because, you know, it was right. only meant for one person. Yeah, and they didn't have the resources for yeah all the people who were there. Yeah. The wallpaper was peeling off the walls, and the windows were no longer, like, nice and clear. They were starting to get, you know, like, all yellow and fogged mm-hmm. up. And the, quote, uncontrollable patients were locked in cages in open spaces to make more bedroom space available for the patients who were, like, less rowdy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. How does this sound worse than Eastern State? And that was a prison. I know, right? Like, it's... There they got to have pets and gardens. Yeah, what the fuck? In the early 1950s, the Trans-Allegheny, which was Weston State Hospital, it became home for the West Virginia Lobotomy Project. Um, so, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Forget those uh, cribs and fucking insulin comas. Now we're bringing in the lobotomies. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and lobotomies were never good. Like, the people who started, like, popularizing lobotomies were not educated as much no, as they should have no. been. And that's literally this guy, Walter Freeman. Yep. Yeah, huh? So, Walter Freeman and the state of West Virginia tried to use lobotomies to fix patients so that they could reduce the number of patients in the asylums because, you know, they were so overcrowded. So, he had a certain method. His method was the ice pick method. And the ice pick method involves slipping a thin, pointy rod into the patient's eye socket and using a hammer to force it to sever the connective tissue in the brain's prefrontal cortex, which is home to where your personality is formed, where your behavioral development is. And this dude fucking performed over 4,000 lobotomies, Mm -hmm. leaving perfectly healthy patients with physical and cognitive damage. Yeah. Not to mention all the people that he killed. Yeah, that happened to uh, one of the Kennedys. Yep. It was maybe the The sister sister of JFK, I think. And she was, like, in her 20s or 30s when it happened, and Mm -hmm. they just threw her in an institution, and her whole family just, like, forgot about her. Yeah. Because she had, like, the mental functioning of a two-year-old. And it was just, it was voluntary. Like, yeah. this doesn't seem like they're voluntary, but a lot of people would get this them voluntarily more to treat, like, depression and yeah. stuff, but then they'd end up she, with... The, she with ended the, up wheelchair-bound. Yeah. And they'd end up with the mental capacity of a two-year-old yeah. for the rest of yeah. their life, and they'd just be thrown in an institution and their families would forget. Yeah. 
literally. The sister of a president in modern Uh, history. (laughs) That's just sad. There was, at a point, an attempt to turn the building into a prison. Um, Sounds like it kind of already was one. Exactly. Because they had built, like, a new facility in 1986. Obviously, that didn't work out, so they just ended up closing Western State slash Trans-Allegheny in 1994. And listen to this. This is crazy. In 1999, a bunch of police officers damaged the four floors of the building when they decided to play paintball. What? So, let's just get this straight, police officers. Um, it's not okay, and it's illegal for people like us to just go and explore abandoned buildings, but it is okay for you to go in and damage them. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously, they're, they don't have to follow the law. <sighs> they're police officers. They can literally do whatever they want. They don't have to follow the law. That's just like an unwritten rule of the badge. Yeah, apparently. They can do whatever they want. The rules, the laws don't apply to them. So... Today, the first floor of the main building of the asylum is, like, a museum where they have a bunch of paintings, drawings, and poems that were made by the patients and that were in the art therapy program. So they did start art therapy. Represent. Yeah. Which is exciting because I'm going to be an art therapist. (laughs) Um, Even though it's taking the life out of me as we speak. (laughs) Um, Grad school be like... (laughs) Um, and there's also a room dedicated to, like, the medical treatments that they used, and they actually have, like, actual artifacts from that time period, like mm-hmm. the hydrotherapy tubs and the straight jackets, and they also hold historical and paranormal tours. Gang, gang! So, that's, like, the history mm-hmm. of that place, and now I kind of want to get into some of the shit that Oaky, happened. Oaky. Yeah. So, I had a hard time finding, like actual first-hand accounts like usually that shit's all over reddit all yeah. over google and like in like blogs and stuff but i was struggling yeah um which i thought was weird because this place is very popular yeah um and supposedly one of the most haunted places in america but a lot of places claim that that's true they're like we have one ghost who walks in the hallway sometimes we are one of the most haunted places <laughs> in america like chill you're not the sally house okay we could literally say our house is the most haunted house in America. <laughs> okay, so to begin with, I'm going to talk about some of the more horrendous murders that have happened there. As with any haunted place or mental health asylum from back then, lots of murders, lots of suicides, just lots lot of, of death. A lot of anguish. Yeah, a lot of uh, very traumatic and deep feelings and traumatic situations. So... The most significant one that I found online was about these two patients who grabbed another patient from his bed. I guess it was nighttime or whatever. And sometimes I'd be in bed during the day. (laughs) And then they tied him up, like, around the neck with his bed sheets. And then they, like, tried hanging him from the ceiling. And this sheet, like, wouldn't hold this guy up to choke him out. So... These two patients got really pissed off, and they actually ended up putting the guy's head under the, uh, like, metal leg of the bed, and they started fucking jumping (gasps) on the bed. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. No. Yeah. To, you know, impale him. Stop. Oh, my God. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, I've read that his name, like, the patient that died, I read his name was Charlie, but I also read it was Dean, so who knows? Those are so different. Um... (laughs) And he apparently, like, haunts the halls where he died, and I think that was on the third floor in the isolation hallway. 
And so you can hear a lot of footsteps, and there's a lot of disembodied screaming, obviously. I'm sure this man was screaming when he was fucking getting killed. Another t-shirt, disembodied screaming. Yes. So another sort of, um, not sort of, I mean, it was crazy. Another thing that happened was one of the nurses had gone missing, like just absolutely disappeared. No one knew what happened to her. There was a lot of searches for her, and police kind of assumed that she just left like she just didn't want to work anymore at this place and then two months later her dead body was found uh at the bottom of unused stairs (gasps) what it really took that long to find a body inside a used building yeah apparently they didn't use those stairs that's insane and they didn't feel like they needed to check them so somebody was missing and they didn't look in the stairwell yeah they're like oh we don't use that so we're not gonna check that's nuts (laughs) oh poor gal I know. And on May 18th, 1963, there was an African-American woman admitted to the hospital, and her name was Muriel C. Creamer. And Creamer. I know. I said, I, said, I chuckled, too. And on May 25th, so, like, not even a week after she was admitted, she was found dead in her hospital bed in Ward C. And she was strapped to her bed by hospital attendants because, I guess, she was being loud and you know, flailing around, and they just wanted to um, keep her in one spot, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there was also, like, a piece of cloth, like, wrapped around her neck, and so her death was ruled a homicide by strangulation. There's no, like, official murder suspect. Like, they never really chalked it up to one person, but her roommate... I mean, it doesn't seem like they really cared. No, they didn't. So, I'm sure they could have found a suspect if they tried. If they cared, but it well, didn't seem like they cared. Yeah, no, listen to this. Her okay. her little literal roommate, Wanda Maxine Janes, openly and freely admitted to killing her. Okay, wait a second. Yeah, and she said that she killed her because, what was her name? Because Muriel had made improper advances on her, and Ooh. she got upset. So she just murked her. Yeah. Unacceptable. Um, That was literally Wanda's first day on the ward. She had just been admitted, and she fucking apparently killed this woman on her first day. Um, and she was admitted for her depression, irrational thoughts, and she always thought that people were mistreating her. And while some doctors said that she wasn't violent, other doctors were like, yeah, she's pretty, like, she gets agitated very easily, and she, she just, just kind of hates sound, everybody. Sounds volatile. Yeah. Bullied kid syndrome. Yeah, definitely. Like, Yikes. oh, everyone's so mean to me. What are they? I killed her because she was making weird advances to me. But what? Okay. She She was strapped to a bed, too. So, like, what is she going to do? Oh my God. She just killed somebody strapped to a bed? Yeah. That's nuts. I said when they found her dead, she was strapped to the bed. Again, people just fucking no balls. No honor in these murders. (laughs) It's just like, what'd you say to me? Where's your honor? What are you going to do about it? Laying strapped to bed. What are you gonna do about it, bitch? I'm gonna fucking choke you with this cloth. (laughs) And then she's like, oh shit. It'd be literally so easy to kill you right now. You're talking a big game for someone who cannot move. (laughs) That's why I, like, did it happen, though? Did she really say something? Or did you just take advantage of the opportunity here? Definitely. Also, on the property, there are three cemeteries in total, and there's, like, thousands of graves. And some of the patients were buried there because their family couldn't afford to bring their body home to bury somewhere else. But a lot of others just had no family that would 
want to come to collect their body Aww, or that, just had no family at all which that happens so often in situations like that that's so sad yeah no wonder like there's so much unrest there you know one of the most famous ghosts that I heard about, this was literally like the only main ghost I heard about, talked about on multiple websites, was a, is a girl named Lily. Ooh. Multiple encounters with this girl named Lily. And her origin, they think, is that she was born to a patient in 1863. Oh, okay. So when this girl was born, they ended up keeping her in the asylum to keep her safe. Yeah, because honestly, you know, back then, what else would they do? Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Because, especially for this lady, because apparently she had been admitted for going, quote, mad, because she was abandoned by her husband, who was a soldier, and then somehow a bunch of soldiers assaulted her. Oh, no. Yeah, and so she was admitted to the ward, and then she found out she was pregnant. Oh, um, yo, that's yeah. rough. Yeah, apparently Lily died of pneumonia when she was nine, um, no. so she didn't get to live at all. She was stuck in this right. place. Oh, that's so sad. Of course she's a ghost. Yeah, but... The thing about Lily is that apparently she's just, she's a very friendly little girl. Like Casper. Yeah. No, literally. Like, she is known for being sort of like a poltergeist. She's known for moving objects around. Mm -hmm. um, people will leave toys and balls for her, and people, so people will see those balls move, or sometimes... Don't laugh. Stop. <laughs> stop it. I was waiting for you to smile. <laughs> stop it. Um... I'm trying to take this seriously. <laughs> So, yeah, um, and sometimes they'll put a toy in a certain room, and then when they come back, it's in a different room kind of thing. Okay. It sounds like she's really located on the third floor. That seems to be where it is. And people, like I said, said she's very kind, very well-behaved, which is kind of weird to say for a little ghost girl, but okay. I, mean, I feel like that's kind of common, though, that there are a lot of, like, spirits of children that are just playful. Yeah. And people, like you said, like, leave toys and stuff for them to play with. And, you know, if somebody leaves a ball, it'll get rolled around, or, uh, there's, I forget specifically which asylum, but there's a whole bunch of little ghost children, and people mm -hmm. leave toys that get mm -hmm. moved around, and, like, it's actually relatively common. It's hard, because then you have so many, like, skilled ghost hunters that'll be like, oh, you know, demons love to imitate children. Yeah. So how, like, that's also difficult, because there are so many cases of like a playful ghost child who's just trying to have a good time and then it's like i mentioned earlier that sally house mm -hmm. where they were convinced that it was a ghost of a little girl yeah. named sally because yeah. that's what the ghost told them yeah and so they left a bunch of toys and they made like their own bedroom for this like ghost girl and they were like yeah enjoy you know staying in this house you can stay here with us we don't mind like it's all good but then plot twist bitch it was a fucking evil demon yeah and they because, just fucking let that shit yeah in. because they applied to your fucking pathos and it's like i'm a sad widow girl yeah now i'm gonna make your head spin around yeah that's so hard you're gonna be puking green pea soup it's really you know <laughs> rolling the dice I guess taking your chances, man. Yeah, it's you got like a 50-50 shot. Yeah, you Either can do they're like going to possess and kill you or you have a ghost pal. You can put money on it, like place bets. Yeah. It's like a lottery <laughs> ticket. <laughs> but apparently this she's a little girl, apparently. There are like EVP recordings about of her like giggling and apparently she'll also warn people that evil spirits are coming. Oh, good. Um girl. yeah, so she seems sort of like that's also a thing, is that, like, in big haunted places like this, that there will be those ghosts that maybe occupy this one area, and they're, like, a friendly ghost that yeah. people go and try to communicate with, and then there's a much darker entity somewhere else that 
the nice ghosts are afraid of. Even in death, when you're a ghost, you're like the scary thing that yeah. people are afraid of in the dark. But then there are other ghosts that you're more afraid of. And I think that's really just depends on how much energy yeah. this ghost has and, like, what and kind how, of energy it ex- is. Yep, exactly. You know? And psychics believe that Lily is a, a lonely spirit and that she's there because she's looking for her mom. And that's pretty typical, I feel like. And it does make sense in Lily's situation, especially if, like, she grew up there and her mom was admitted there. Who knows what happened to her mom? But yeah, apparently she's just this really nice little girl. Poor girl. Yeah, I feel bad. Also on the floor where Lily is, um, and this could be the thing that she has warned people about, there is apparently an apparition called the Creeper. Ooh! Who, like, slinks and crawls along the floor of, like, the hallways. Oh. No, I was thinking, like, Minecraft. No, not even close. Slinking <laughs> along the floor, that's way creepier. Yeah, like, fucking, like, crawling, like, really down low on all fours kind of thing. Like, it doesn't look human kind of thing, you know? So, Ward C has a few things that are pretty significant to, like, that ward specifically. And this ward was for the really violent female patients. Ooh, okay. So, people hear a lot of screams and a lot of cries from women. Apparently, if... You know how men love to keep their keys on belt loops sometimes? Yeah. So apparently if you're a man walking down the hall with your keys on your belt loop, you'll feel some something tug at them. <gasps> and they think, like, that's a woman trying to get keys to escape. Yeah. Damn. Okay. That's yeah. Like, that's significant. That's fun. And in the rehab ward, um, there's people have heard a lot of, like, disembodied whistling, which is always kind of creepy. I yeah. don't know. Why whistle a lot? Maybe, or, you know, I mean, I'm a person who whistles a lot. You do whistle a lot. <laughs> I do whistle a lot. But there are people who just whistle a lot, and if they whistled a lot in life, they'll probably whistle a lot in death. Maybe. You know? I mean, what else are you going to do as a ghost? Yeah. Whistle a tune. Keep yourself company. <laughs> and also in this rehab ward, uh, people feel nauseous a lot. This sudden onset of nausea. People that have used, like, a spirit box here, they hear a lot of, like, get out you know that typical stuff cliche yeah very very cliche on the first floor which is the oldest part of the hospital there are apparently people get like aggressively pushed up against the walls Ooh. yeah yeah and there is also this ghost and her name is ruth Aww. And she is seen wandering the halls. Well, you, you'll say on until you hear about Ruth. Oh, no. Ruth apparently isn't a very nice lady. That bitch. Um, she was a patient, obviously, and she was very violent, particularly towards men when she was alive. I get it. And even in death. I get she it. She still fucking hates men. I And you I know what? It. Yeah, we're like, Ruth, you know, especially we, we back understand. then. Especially back then, the way that women were treated. I understand, yeah. girl. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And she'll literally throw shit at men. It's my girl. Yeah. See, I yeah. still say aw. I stand by my aw. You go, Ruth. Yeah. That's true, because, you know, when you think about men. I try not Good to. Good for you, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the second floor, there was a patient who was reportedly stabbed 17 times by another patient. Two patients also committed suicide on this floor in the same fucking room from, like, the curtain rods. 
and again a lot of evps and stuff that say um say like get out you know demonic shit like that and people will hear their names being called on this floor and there's a lot of shadow people um and that's like a bit of a summary of like the different types of paranormal activity on the floors but there's there was two like little stories that i found that were like creepy as fuck Mm -hmm. well the second one's kind of funny but i saw this one story that there was these two people that were checking the building to make sure no one was inside because i think there was something going on outside and there wasn't supposed to be anybody inside but someone might have seen somebody or something okay so these two people go inside to make sure there's no one in there that's not supposed to be in there um and they encounter this man and they're like um sir like what are you doing here And the man kind of just, like, looks down at his shoes and he's like, well, I'm looking for a way out. And then he just sort of walks off. And when they try to go after him, he just fucking disappears. Wild. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. (gasps) Stop. I know. That's, like, one of my fears is, like, talking to a person. Because I've talked to a lot of people who act strange. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of these stories that people think that they talked to a ghost is just someone kind of, like, acting really bizarre, and then suddenly they're just gone. Mm-hmm. There's just this last little snippet, and, um, and then that pretty much sums up Trans-Allegheny. Mm-hmm. In 2008, the Ghost Hunters, so let me know if you remember this, because I haven't, I don't think I've seen this, um, investigators heard a man, I guess it was through EVP or spirit box or whatever. They don't use spirit box. So it's gotta be EVP. Yeah. <laughs> they heard a man say he, that he was looking for his beer. And... Fun. So they were looking through, like, admission paperwork from the whole time, I guess, that people were there. And in 1892, it showed that there was a man named Jacob Ayers, I guess, who was admitted for alcoholism and delusions. And he constantly thought that everybody was hiding his beer. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? That really is crazy. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Like, what it's, the fuck? It's one thing to, like, know that, yes, there were alcoholics that were admitted to this ward. Right. But the thing is that this man specifically mm-hmm. would constantly question people, like, because he thought they had his beer. Yeah. That's, yep. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Good way to end this one, huh? Love that shit. Isn't that crazy? Ooh, I love it. I hate it. I love it. You know? I, I'm i sad because I wish there was more, like, legit, like, first-hand stories. Yeah, and, like, yeah. something that's, like, thorough, not just, like, oh, I saw this. Right. And that's it. Yeah. You know? Still, though, that's, like, is that, that's a place that you can do tours, right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to I wanna do that, please. Definitely. When yeah. I win my free sprinter van, we can go. Yeah. I think it would be, especially, like, even just the architecture, obviously, is really gorgeous. Um, okay, you look at the architecture, <laughs> I will look at the ghosts. And, I and the creepy ghosts things crawling too. up the hallways. Yeah, hopefully we see the creeper. Ooh. And thus concludes episode one of season Ooh, two. Ooh, that's exciting. And we started off with some bangers. We did. I love haunted places. Let us know what you guys think, if you're into more of the haunted places and paranormal stuff or if we should do some more true crime i mean we will be doing some true crime but let us know what you're yeah in the mood for next time yeah 
we've got a few pretty uh, juicy topics lined up for the Definitely. next couple of weeks. But after that, which I'm excited for, I'm I'm very excited, especially next week's. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I'm just really excited for that. Yeah, I think the next one's gonna be really good. So, uh, if there's any suggestions you guys have, any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all, uh, you can email us at ucf.pod at gmail. Or follow us, like us, whatever us, on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter, both at UCF Podcast. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And in the meantime, stay spooky, my friends.